0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Zubagile podcast, where we talk about uh, just random albums, uh, how we feel about those albums, and, um, yeah, just an average review. I'm Jackson Kuhlman. I am the host of this podcast. I am an English major at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and uh, my co-host is here with me, and uh, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: My name is Elliot Gray. Um... Distinguish actually, most vinyls on Noel Floor Five. Nobody has more vinyls than me.
0: Uh, I think I might have you beat no, there. No, Floor pal. Five. You're, oh, you're, on Floor you're Five. Floor. Okay, that's good. Um, anyway, uh, the album we'll be talking about today is Raw Power by uh, the Stooges. Actually, Iggy and the Stooges, because this came out in '73 when the band had actually reformed. So, uh, yeah. Let's just go ahead and dive right into it. Um, Glad you guys clicked on the podcast today. Um, Yeah, let's get started. Alright, so, like I said, the album we listened to to talk about today is uh, Raw Power by the Stooges, uh, released February 7th in 1973, and honestly, if you haven't heard of the Stooges, like... It's it's definitely worth it because I, I gotta say, like after listening to their entire discography, I've really come to put them in my uh list of my favorite bands of all time. Even just on their three albums, like, you know, it's great. Um
1: A very- lot of I think a lot of early punk is kinda of boring. Like living after punk music. Like I listen to a lot of post-punk. Um, but Stu just stick out a lot, mainly because I think Iggy is the star. Like, and he puts so much energy into every performance. He's never boring. He yeah, it boring. It feels uh, like alive. Yeah. It feels like it's not dated at all.
0: Right. The vocals are a big part of that. Also, like Ron Ashton's guitar is like it really just transcends time. Like his playing style. Like I've never really heard anything like it. It's um the closest I've really heard is Johnny Thunders from the New York Dolls. I don't know if you're familiar with New York Dolls really at all. They're heard another the they're another like early proto punk band that kind of started the scene, but um yeah, Johnny Thunders is pretty similar to Ron Ashton, but um the other guitarist in the Stooges was James Williamson and he actually was the lead guitarist on this album raw power uh so basically some background history on it is that um this dude just released two albums uh they're self-titled in 1969 and funhouse in 1970 which funhouse is my personal favorite as well as yours correct yeah, yeah. yeah. um and then they actually split up uh dave alexander the bassist had a pretty big problem with alcohol, and uh, Iggy had a pretty big problem with heroin. And um, James Williamson was actually their second guitarist, their touring guitarist, and Iggy and James decided to get back together in 1973 and record some songs in England. And they actually weren't going to invite the Ashton brothers back for these recordings, but they couldn't find a very good rhythm section, so James Williamson suggested that they should fly Ron and Scott out to England, and Ron actually wasn't really on board with it because he didn't want to play bass, but he ended up agreeing to it, and that's kind of the story behind Raw Power, and uh, Iggy came out with his mix first, and decided that it was a little too hard and raw and heavy, and...
1: Yeah, yeah. it it was... The, the point of the mix is that he turned everything to the red, each dial. That's what he wrote in the liner notes. And um, it really comes out when you hear it. Like, if you want to get an idea of how to start listening to music and listen to a mix, like the, mo- the easiest difference to tell is listening to like Iggy's version of Raw Power and then the Bowie version, because it's just completely destroyed. It's so distorted. Everything's so loud. Yeah and the the Bowie version which is what we listen to um is a lot more pop oriented David Bowie everybody knows him you know he he toned things down a bit and made the record a little more commercial
0: Yeah and even even so this album still has a very raw energy I feel I mean uh Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols uh said that he learned to play guitar by taking speed and playing along with this album and (laughs) it's really like you can feel that energy on it honestly like it's great like most people would or most like just rock fans in general i feel would hear the first track of this album and just be like nope nope this is this isn't produced well enough i can't listen to this but like it's all it's it's produced like shit, but almost in an artistic way. Yeah, it's very intentional. Yeah, it's, it, it really feels, it makes you feel alive to listen to it. It's a great, like, walking album, I feel.
1: I think definitely, like, the problem I usually have with Stooges in general is, like, when I'm listening to it and it's not quiet, it's, it's not loud enough. It's too quiet or it's not the right environment. Cause, uh, I think, like, this album or any of their other albums, like, will come through the best, like, Ideally in a live setting. Like, listening to Raw Power, when it feels weaker to me, it's when it's going too crazy and it just feels, like, jarring that I'm sitting on my couch playing it in my dorm. Um, I can imagine just being so invested here in this live. Like, just completely throwing myself in the pit and punching everybody in the face. Yeah, and I
0: think that's why... I I don't want to get too off-topic here with uh, talking about their other albums, but that's why I feel Funhouse is just, like, all around... Just a a better album than Raw Power because like I feel it retains more of that energy by not being quiet, you know? Like um there there is there are parts on Funhouse where I feel that way as well, like uh TVI specifically that song, but um <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I, I definitely see what you mean there with like some of it being it's it's like it should be blasting in your ears but it's not yeah it's it's a weird production and it should decision. be physical like yeah. something like this it's it's almost it's like the, the effect is almost like you're in your apartment and someone above you like on the floor above you is listening to it like you can hear it through the ceiling or yeah, something yeah. that's almost the effect you yeah, get you from wanna, it you want to be there yeah it it's it makes you like want to just run a mile but like not quite um and that's like really, my only gripes with this album, like, come down to some of the production decisions. Like, some of them I I do genuinely think are good, but some of them are like weird. Uh, for instance, on the Iggy Pop mix, while he did crank everything to the red, I feel like everything is more balanced on that one. And in, in the David Bowie mix that we listen to, um, what I feel like is happening is. The vocals and the lead guitar are turned way up. And then the bass and the drums are just fucking buried. Like, you can't hear them at all. Like, you can barely. And then the rhythm guitar, like, the main riff is, like, in the middle of those two things. Yeah, you
1: can hear Iggy very clearly uh, in the Bowie cut. And then you can also, like, hear the lyrics better, definitely. Um, I think, um, yeah, the Iggy version, his voice, like, comes off as more of an instrument. And it's, like... You don't need to exactly understand what he's saying. Because it's not like he's telling much of a narrative. It's just, like, sort of, you know, visceral words. You know, he's talking about fucking and drugs and cutting people and all that. Um, But it's never, like, anything too specific or cohesive, really.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And, yeah, like, going back to the vocals, like... That, that's a really big part of it and I feel like like what you were saying with like this would be much better live is that Iggy is a very good or was a very good stage performer and that carried a lot of their music like in the live setting and he, honestly like with his vocals though you can kind of he- like imagine him doing these crazy things yeah, yeah. like you can imagine him like meandering on stage and like James Williamson banging out the riffs like yeah. playing the straight man and like Iggy just fucking hopping around the stage. It, it's great and I wish that like all of the members of the Stooges besides Iggy weren't dead. <laughs> so like I mean, I think it's just I think Iggy and James Williamson are the only ones that are still alive cuz I know uh Dave died like mid 70s and then the Ashton brothers I think are both gone mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um but, yeah, uh, I don't have really more to say about the overall feel of it. I think we got that. Uh, think, do you have anything more?
1: Uh, yeah, so what I noticed about Raw Power, that, like, coming from Funhouse, um are, like, the tempo's getting picked up a lot. That's the main, like, distinguishing thing about this album, like, against the others. Like, they're playing faster, and then... It gets like very virtuosic, like they're like going at a high speed, and they're like, like.
0: Yeah, especially like compared to the first album, like the first album had more like artistic stuff, and that was mostly John Cale uh, being involved with it. I think that had a lot to do with that. But yeah, I I see what you're saying. Like Funhouse is more like groove driven, like slow, methodical, and raw power is just like bang this out as fast as we can and just hammer it right into the audience's face uh yeah and i I definitely think that um is due to james williamson's play style because it is while it is very similar to ron ashton's it is different in that it feels more uh metallic i would say like i can't remember who described it like this but they said that james williamson's playing i think it might have been thurston Moore of sonic youth said that it has the technicality of jimmy page and also the attitude of uh keith richards but like without the sloppy playing and that kind of makes sense where ron ashton was just kind of like uh more psychedelic more yeah, uh, ham like I don't know how to describe it, but like it, it is, it's very similar, but it's also uh, fundamentally different.
1: There were a few times where I was like, God damn it, this sounds like Van Halen for like a second. And oh, I just, really? I was just like, ugh. Like, that's
0: that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like. Yeah, there there's definitely are some parts where he kind of pops off. And that was also... That was another thing I was going to talk about. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess, you know,
1: let the guitar player pop off, too. You know, you can't just doesn't have to be the yeah. only guy. who gets to go insane. I,
0: I noticed on this album, more so compared to the other ones, the way they do things is that they don't have two guitarists, um, but they record a main guitar riff in the background. And then it almost seems like when they're recording Iggy's vocals, that uh Williamson is playing the lead part along with that and they, he just like adds these little uh like you were talking about these little Van Halen um solos yeah, on top definitely. of that. Because you can you can hear the main riff in the background and then that it, it's almost like uh like Iggy and these lead guitar solos are talking to each other. It's almost like a extended like yeah, a like a different vocal part. Down. Yeah. It's really cool. Um really cool effect. The acoustic guitar on some of these tracks is uh, a pretty cool addition, and I guess that's a good segue into breaking the tracks down one by one. So let's start with the first track, the one I'm personally most familiar with. Uh, I listen to this song quite a bit um, outside of the original album, because eh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite song off the album, but it's definitely up there, uh, Search and Destroy a great opener um
1: yeah they hit you right away definitely yeah fast like he's going crazy it's it's pretty emblematic of what's going to come on the album
0: Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of what you want an opener track to do is kind of be a like in an album like this like of course in like a concept album you want like emotion and like the beginning of a story but in an album like this where it's just kind of eight tracks that are very similar to each other. Um, You want something that's just going to set the mood in both ways because search and destroy it like has heavy parts, but it also has that bridge where it's like Iggy kind of like lets off the vocals a little bit and kind of like, um, I don't know, like the guitar kind of lets up a bit. uh, But otherwise it's, it's a great track to just fucking jam to driving your car Um, I love it. Uh, It was one of my first songs that I ever heard by the Stooges. Uh, Holds a pretty dear place in my heart. I don't know really what else to say about that one specifically, other than it's great, it's probably the most iconic off the album. Uh, Yeah. Do you have anything more to say about that track? Not a ton. Not really? Okay. Uh, Next is... Actually, what I would say my favorite off the album is uh, Gimme Danger.
1: Yeah, I might agree. I'm not quite sure, but, yeah, Gimme Danger, like, the... It's really, like, it's a new sound, like, in their palette, and they pull it off really well. There's a bit of, like, a Western flair to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I can definitely, like, see the the imagery, the man, the desert, the cowboy hat, like... Yeah. uh, But then they also, like, layer over, like, the classic stooges sound on top of that like is that an acoustic guitar i don't even remember
0: it is an acoustic guitar and that's that's probably the best thing about this that's what i like most about this track is that it's a really surprising instrument choice for the stooges and just a band like this in general to be like putting acoustic layers in there but it's it, it really works it's like really ominously threatening mm. i think uh, and it works because you have the uh, electric in the background with it mm-hmm. and they're, they play off each other really well um it's a great flavor yeah and this is one of the tracks that i think actually sounded better on the bowie mix than the iggy mix i think the iggy mix kind of ramped it up too much and um rushed it but the bowie mix kind of slows it down a bit and like lets you take your time it it lets it sink into your head and that's definitely my favorite part about it so yeah that's definitely my favorite of the album um you said it's a contender for you
1: yeah i'd say i don't i don't remember exactly I, I don't know. I don't need to have a specific, like, this one's the best.
0: Yeah, this one's <laughs> I just, I, I always have, like, when I'm listening to an album, like, one or two tracks that always stand out to me that I'll, like, throw on my big old playlist that's, like, 500 songs long that I just put on shuffle if I don't know what to listen to.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and that's definitely one of them I threw on after this. I already had Search and Destroy on there from previous years, but... Yeah, I, I. It's it's weird because like in the past when I've tried to listen to this album, I wasn't too into it. But mm-hmm. the more I've been exposed to like, other bands like this, I've been more open to it, and I guess. Cause like I would listen to Search and Destroy, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, this is so fucking cool! This is awesome!" And then I get to Gimme Danger, and I'd be like. Eh, <laughs> this is this is too weird for it's me. Too slow. But it's like. Um, yeah, it's just an odd choice, and it kind of, like, um, references back to their first album, like, the artistic choices they took because of John Cale, like, the viola in uh, We Will Fall and the piano in uh, I Want to Be Your Dog. It's it's great. I really like it. Um yeah, they
1: bring a lot of variety to the sound, like, enough that it the songs don't blend together too much, you know? Because that's what... It, you could fall into, I think, like if your objective is just be like a loud, fast punk band. If every song is just like, <laughs> like
0: yeah, yeah, it's s- gonna be hard to tell them apart. The songwriting is very good. It's like take the Ramones for example. Like <laughs> yeah, that's a <the> classic <laughs> example. The Ramones, they just fucking they just play like a two minute same riff the whole time. I I what don't want to go. song this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to go too much on a Ramones tangent, but like. <laughs> It's, they're more of an aesthetic punk band than they really are, like, have, than they have, like, musical prowess or anything, and I think, uh, the Stooges really know how to balance that, and that's pretty obvious on Gimme Danger. Anyway, next song, uh, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. Apparently it was originally titled Hard to Beat. Uh, this song is abrasive, um... I'd say, like, the second most abrasive on the album... Why do I keep having voice cracks? Like, Jesus Christ, but... I'm you can always
1: just re-record fucking, if you want. I'm
0: fucking... You can cut am almost, almost 20 years old, and I'm still having voice cracks. Um, But yeah, Your Pretty Face is going to hell. Uh, It's really the first point on the album where I'm like, holy shit, this album's, like, the equivalent of getting fucked in the ass. <laughs> like, yeah. musically. Yeah. <laughs> like... Um, it's, it's just like a, a raw track. Um, I don't know much, much else to say about that one. Like it, it just, it punches you in the face and it's the same on the, it's even more so on the Iggy mix, but like on the Bowie mix, it still is really just abrasive and it's abrasive in the best possible way. Like Iggy's just fucking yelling at you. Like I would honestly pay money to iggy pop to just scream in my face. And that's basically what buying this album is like, but um Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's it's great. Do you have anything to say about that one?
1: No, I didn't write anything specific about this one.
0: About the Yeah. It's it's probably not like the greatest on the album. Like I I'd, I'd put it towards the bottom if I was like Putting the tracks in a rank, which we're not doing because we're not f- tools, but or I'm kind of a tool because I'm already doing it. But that's okay. Uh, next, closing out the first side is penetration. Um,
1: He's a fucking sleaze ball. On this he, one. Yes,
0: yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Um, He's a
1: real fucking degenerate.
0: Yeah, there's so much sexual energy on this track, like. Man, Bowie's about to make me transition here. That's what
1: I really liked about loose on Funhouse 2. Like it's just like completely shoving sex in your face. Yeah. Like there's not a more like like obvious thing you can do. They just be like, fuck me, I'm loose. Like, penetration, I'm fucking you. Like yeah. that's that's the whole song.
0: No, yeah. And I can like imagine in my head him like shaking his cod piece around on stage in his leather pants yeah, like yeah yeah <laughs> fucking like coming through it's it's great i i love it it's like that's, it's not a pandering sexual song i think
1: i think that's one point where like the rhetoric really works for me like what he's saying actually starts to like matter a lot to me cuz on on some of the other tracks like iggy's lyrics don't like, what he's specifically saying doesn't seem to mean as much. On Penetration, like, I'm, like, buying into exactly what he's saying. Like, fuck, oh. fuck him. Yeah, fuck
0: Yeah, him. I never, like, really listened to the... Like, the lyrical content on the Stooges songs, like, it's not really deep or anything. Uh, Bowie, or Bowie, Iggy is just, like, like, he's using his voice as an instrument, like... Yeah. And, I mean, I feel like you can strike a balance there, because, I mean... Radiohead does it like with the lyrical content, and then also using your voice as an instrument. But like, I feel like they really don't need the lyrical content; they've got everything else there.
1: Yeah, it's simple and plain. Just
0: yeah, it's say shocking
1: things. Yeah, it's, it's just comfortable. R- yeah.
0: really raw shit. Like, <laughs> I I I just love the Stooges aesthetics. Just going back to that, and like the New York Dolls. It, it's like a similar situation where. The lyrical content just doesn't matter because it's just pure smut. Like, you really get the mindset of, like, Detroit in the late 1960s, early 70s. Like, just raw power, going back to the album title. And speaking of raw power, you know what track is next?
1: Man.
0: Uh, it is Raw Power, the title track, yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah.
0: probably the blandest track, in my opinion, on the album. Um, mm. What'd you think of it?
1: Yeah, this is another one I don't know I have anything specific about, like... They sort of melt together, the faster tracks. Not that that's, like, a bad thing. Like, experientially, they're different. I just don't have anything, like, unique to say
0: about them. Yeah, yeah, I'd say tracks 3 through 6 are definitely... Or 3 through 5, excuse me, are the kind of uh, lowest point on the album. They're still great, but, like, that's where the album kind of goes into a valley the most, in my opinion. Is in that little section right there because all three of those tracks are just like hard and fast, like one after another. And Raw Power, there really isn't anything like, and it, it, that's kind of a shame too because since it is the title track, there's nothing like standout ish about it. It's just a regular hard, uh, Stooges song. <laughs> that's really all I have to say about that wow, one.
1: The tempos, yes.
0: Yep, all right. Um, then to one of my favorites, yeah. I need somebody. Yeah. So um, yeah,
1: we we agree on some of these. Like yeah, I need somebody is like kind of a bluesy atmosphere, and yes. that's another like example of like a different flavor in the palette that really makes the songs stick out and gives it some variety.
0: Right, and I mean the Stooges, their original goal was to like take blues in a, like a different direction than like Cream and Jimi Hendrix were taking it, like with the psychedelic shit and like. I don't like cream. I'm just gonna say it. I'm not a big <laughs> cream guy, but uh, yeah, they they wanted to make it more, I guess, like pure, and they they really did that on this track. I think uh, more than more so than any other Stooges song. This is this. I need somebody has a really slow crawl. I feel like it's it's kind of like it's it's much slower than Give Me Danger in that regard. Um, like, yeah, but like you said, just got a nice blues groove to it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, is that the longest track on the... No, Your Pretty Face... It's the third longest track on the album, actually. Never mind. It's about the same length as Your Pretty Face is going to hell. Um, but yeah, I feel like this could have even benefited from being longer. Like, just kind of having that jammy... <laughs> Jammy, that like jam sense to it, like that blues jam. I think would have done this track even better, and that's something I forgot to talk about as well. Um, in a difference between the mixes, Iggy, when in his mix, he liked to cut off the songs and have like definite ends to them. Oh and yeah. Bowie seemed to like fade outs.
1: Something I marked down. Yeah. More. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting like choice to make. In general, I think like fading out makes sense, though, because or at least for me, like I get the idea that um, it's a live show and that like this really could have gone on longer. You know, if mm-hmm. everyone in the crowd is really feeling it and they were too, and they just keep playing and do another verse, or do another chorus like um, I get that sense from the fade out, you know, um, I don't know. That, that's yeah. what I was thinking about.
0: Well, personally, I like fade outs. More than I do... Or I... I, I wouldn't say I like fade-outs more than I like.
1: It's, it's always going pretty contextual.
0: Yeah, but, like, I wish they would come back. Like, in modern music, like, they don't use them anymore.
1: Yeah, there's definitely, like, a stigma, I think. People, yeah. like think of it as corny or lazy, mm-hmm. but there's definitely, like, merit to it as a choice.
0: Yeah, th- it could definitely do some grace to some of these... <laughs> sound like a boomer here. It'd do some grace to some of these newer pop songs, but, like... I mean, it really would. Like, I wish they would use that again. And I think, I don't know, it it really depends from track to track if it, like, was the right decision on this album. But I can't remember specifically if there was a fade-out on I Need Somebody or not, but um, I think it would definitely. If if it was there, it was the right decision. If it's not, then it should have been. Um, So, yeah, next track, Shake Appeal.
1: I really like this
0: one. Yes, I really like it as well. The
1: drum fills on here.
0: mm mm-hmm. It's got a. It's got kind of a. Were you getting kind of a rockabilly vibe, just like a little bit like, old fifties rock.
1: Um, it's it's kind of well enough to say.
0: Yeah, it's kind of got like a little like, dance to it. I mean, that comes in the title, like shake appeal.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. But like, actually, yeah, that that definitely comes through, with like what. The Iggy's performance.
0: I mean, yeah, and one yeah, of I
1: think this was one of my favorite, like, of, like, his moments. On that mm-hmm.
0: And, like, one of his inspirations was uh, James Brown. So it, it makes sense that, like...
1: James Brown is the blueprint, man.
0: James Brown is the blueprint. For, like, every front man. Yeah. Like, literally every front man that does, like, crazy shit on stage cites James Brown as his, his or her... So good. Uh inspiration. Yeah, I you actually got me into some James Brown I've been indulging the last couple weeks but You got
1: to like see a video. I have seen stuff. I've
0: seen some videos of yeah, it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's great. Like oh man, now now I'm now I am want to go listen to James Brown but um <laughs> yeah, Shake Appeal it, it gave me those vibes like they were taking inspiration from that kind of stuff more dance uh, throwing a little bit of dance in there, and I mean, Iggy would kind of explore that later on, like with some elements in the idiot, like not too, in, yeah, not too no, in depth. Yeah, those
1: those albums are a lot like harder to pin down. Like this feels a lot more punk, but yeah, no.
0: yeah, yeah. And that's that's another thing to mention too. Like these are so different, like in vibe from Iggy's like solo work, definitely. And I think that that's also due to Bowie, like kind of reeling him in. I think and showing him synths you know (laughs) like yeah anyway uh death trip this song is just really brings it home yeah um i think this is the wildest iggy geth that's why i say your pretty face is going to hell isn't the rawest song on the album or the most abrasive? I think <laughs> Death Trip is. It just gets fucking wild.
1: Yeah. It's the longest song and they like really like let it descend into madness. Yeah. Like, I it's think like, it's, the, it's the fucking Death Trip. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think this, the, yeah, this one sounds the most like they just decided to start jamming. Like just, just straight up just said, yeah, just do whatever the fuck you want. Um, we're just going to go just keep rolling uh just be yeah. as abrasive as you fucking can just yeah like,
1: it's where they like cut loose a little bit more like i think i think generally like a problem that i have with this album is the um the the shift towards like a faster tempo and like keeping it in time like one two three four and playing like within the lines more i would have liked to see them cut looser or like play things wrong or sloppier Um, and they do that a bit near the end of this, like, when it really goes wild. Well, I mean, that's
0: what I've kind of noticed about the Stooges in general, though, is that they have a really tight rhythm section.
1: Yeah, it's really straightforward. And, like, I guess, for the time, um, that's just a convention that they were breaking, you know, they were, like, breaking convention in a lot of other ways, and then they kept that, like, consistent with what was popular at the time, but, um, living here, like, 50 years later, having heard a ton of, uh... Post-Punk and No Wave that explores, like, more of a sloppier style. Um Raw Power does come off a little more dated, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um Yeah, and that was kind of... That's kind of what held me back from this album in the first place, was, like, yeah, just the datedness of it. I mean, like, once you get to a certain point in your listening career, it's like nothing can really hold you back. It's like, just fucking show me everything, but, like... When you're first starting out, it's kind of jarring, I think. Like, if you're used to, like...
1: Yeah, it's a game of, like, moving from one thing that you're familiar with to Mm -hmm. something that's kind of similar but kind of new. Right, yeah. And, like, yeah, getting acquainted with different sounds. Um, But, yeah, that similar story with me. Like, not getting the Stooges early on. Mm -hmm. Because I found out about Iggy through his solo stuff. Yeah. And um, I didn't see what the hype was with the Stooges. Like, they seemed like had a kind of generic punk at first. But, um... No, yeah. If you look at it and, like, really pay some attention, like, it's very unique.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, in my introduction to The Stooges was, like, you know, I was a big grunge kid in high school, and I was a big Nirvana fan, and, like, Kurt Cobain was always, like, oh, The Stooges, The Stooges, The Stooges, and I I checked them out, and I liked uh, I Wanna Be Your Dog, you know, that's a great song, but then I checked out Raw Power, because that was, like, his favorite album, and it, it was, like... Yeah, and it, it was it was because I was used to listening to like Nirvana, which is like so it has such clean and crisp production, especially on like Nevermind. Mm-hmm. And then you go to that and it's like, what the fuck? Like my ears are getting raped right now. Yeah. <laughs> like what is yeah. this? And it's it's you gotta gotta just like wean yourself off of um, you know, like conventional production. Like I can't, and it's it's almost kind of like the opposite now because, like, if I listen to production that clean, it just doesn't sound interesting to me. It sounds like this was made in a factory. This was just, like, put on a conveyor belt and sh- shat out, you know? Like, last time I listened to Nevermind, um, I was like, yeah, it's probably going to be a while before I try this again because, like, yeah, I've heard all these songs, like, 50,000 times.
1: Yeah. Everyone the, had a Nirvana phase. Everyone's done with Nirvana.
0: Yeah. Did you have a Nirvana phase? Yeah. Fucking Christ. I swear to God if I have another voice crack. do you have a Nirvana phase?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I had the, I got the t-shirt, and then oh yeah. like, this t-shirt's cool, and then I, I had to, like, listen after that.
0: No. I, wait, you got the t-shirt before you listen.
1: I think so. Like, my mom always liked Nirvana. She's like, oh, yeah, get this t-shirt. I was like, oh, cool. Oh,
0: God, you are a sinner. If I'm going Nirvana. The, and if you got t-shirt. the shirt before you got...
1: I, I remember like wearing a T shirt and I was listening to it and I was like, whoa, this is so good.
0: Yeah. Have you have you heard not not trying to get too sidetracked here, but have you heard Bleach?
1: Uh yeah. I don't remember it as well as Nevermind. That but.
0: one's that one's good. Listen to that one. But um yeah, that is Raw Power, the one and only. Do you have anything else to say about Raw Power to mm-hmm. uh kind of wind us down here? I don't wanna be too I don't want to be too abrasive like, um, Raw Power, but, uh, yeah, just, what would you, what, what rating would you give this album? A Rating? Yes, out of five stars. That's oh, your, we're
1: going with the stars. Yeah, we're
0: going with the stars, That's which like, is star rating. Yeah, uh, I know. I'm so original here. Actually, you know what? Fuck the stars. We're not doing the stars. We're not doing out of ten. What letter grade would you give this album? Letter grade? Yeah.
1: Okay, uh...
0: Fucking letter grade.
1: Like a like a nice B+. Plus. B+. Plus? Yeah. They're, they're doing everything well, they're doing everything they want to do right. Mm-hmm. And it's like... They're uh, continuing to like change this sound from one album to the next, so this doesn't feel like a rehash of Funhouse. It's unique. Um... And you can see like they had a very clear vision, you know, the raw power, the the mix, you know, the tempos. Um and all comes through for the most part, I think.
0: Yeah. Um I honestly think I'd agree with you with that B plus. Honestly, I know that's kind of boring, but like uh I feel like with the two productions, like they could have compromised a little bit instead of like going totally in a different direction. I, I
1: prefer the mix on Funhouse. If this is if the mix on this it sounded like Funhouse. Yeah. I think I think they like master the. Yeah. Looseness of it, but I mean,
0: I, and I'm I'm really like, it's kind of weird to me that Iggy was worried about this album selling that that was like a, thing for him because like, you know they were relatively. Underground at the time. I mean,
1: maybe because it's a reunion.
0: Yeah, you'd be, you get called like if you liked the Stooges back then, you'd get called like gay in school and stuff. Like, you get <laughs> bullied. <laughs> like, if you like the Stooges, if you like the New York Dolls, if you liked the Velvet Underground, like, well, that, was, to like. that was the gay, me- you're supposed to like Black Sabbath. That was like what the cool kids were listening to. Like, Black Sabbath, yeah. Led Zeppelin, yeah. Deep Purple. Yeah. The, those are the cool bands. These bands that wear makeup and, and, uh, actually give a shit. <laughs> I'm not saying that Black Sabbath didn't give a shit. I like Black Sabbath actually, but um yeah. No, it's it, it's great, but yeah. Um B+ I think there's some very good decisions on this album. There's some not so good decisions on this album. It's very influential to a lot of my favorite bands. Um or not my favorite bands, but, like, bands I admire. Sex Pistols, Smiths, uh, Nirvana a little bit. <laughs> I, I admire Nirvana, but, um, yeah. I think uh, that just about does it. Thank you guys for uh, listening to our new podcast. Uh, What's the name of it again? Because I forgot how to pronounce that shit.
1: Zupageil.
0: Zupageil. Geil Geil
1: means horny in German. Yeah. It's also, it's youth slang. So, like, hey, bro, that's horny as fuck. Yeah. Uh, Das ist so geil, man. Ja, ich liebe das. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, Be sure to... Do whatever you do to podcasts that uh, you can't like or subscribe Great. to because tell your friends. We're, yeah, just tell put it your friends your, your, because on we your
1: Snapchat story, put yeah. it on your Instagram story, put
0: it on your TikTok story. Um, they have yeah. TikTok story? Anyway, thank you for listening.